What's up, quality people? I am here with two of my good players. We got Trey Chamberlain all the way over and a familiar face, Elon, right here in the middle. Before we get started, like Kenya McIntosh says, I need like y'all to the algorithm. like for the algorithm. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, Coach. Doing good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What about you, Elon? I'm doing great. Good, good. So as the title suggests, we're going to be getting into role models, right? So we're going to see, you know, what type of role models these guys have and who are the people that they're looking up to. And maybe they can give some insight on who their generation is looking up to right now and maybe have a good dialogue surrounding that. We're also getting into how to hit a baseball. We got a good video that we're going to show and kind of break down with these guys and then we're going to talk about an upcoming tournament we got a quality tournament coming up this weekend both these guys will be playing on my team um, so we're gonna have a lot of fun um, only eight teams in this tournament so hopefully we can have a good run at this thing and then to top it off we'll have our usual ass coach profit segment as well so let's get into it before we get into it i know you know elon from last week but we're gonna let trey let him um let him introduce himself and just tell you a little bit about him so take it away trey Hey guys, my name's Trey. I've recently started playing under Coach Profit. I've been playing him for playing with him for about a year and a half now. Started last last summer, found their team, and it's just been a great experience ever since. So just excited to see what the future has. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So like let's go ahead and just dive right into the first right into the first segment, which is Role models. So role models are very important in everybody's life. So now they have the term social media influencer, which is essentially just another fancy word for role model. But I'm interested to hear who are some of the role models that you guys have in your lives? Trey. Trey, go. I guess Trey, take it away. I guess I'm taking it, Elon. Honestly, the biggest role model in my life right now is my dad. He's been a great example of what it's like to be a man, and I try to follow him in his footsteps every day. He's definitely my biggest example and the biggest role model. Awesome. What about you, Elon? But, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Trey. Keep continuing. But outside of him, I've had a lot of people affect my life. We've had the opportunity to get to know some baseball players really well, Nathan Lucas and Adam Clark. They're both currently in AAA. They've had stints in the MLB this season. They've also just been great role models from a baseball perspective and from a just how to live as a godly man. They're great examples of that. I like that. I like that. All right, Elon, what are some of your role models or any people that you look up to? I would say my role my role model is my dad because he's done a lot for me and he's put up with most of my stuff. So when we started playing baseball, he was there for me. He would always encourage me and help me do what I needed to do. And throughout all that, we had to go through a couple movements and he was still there for me after he just moved away. 
Awesome. Awesome. So both of y'all said your dads, which is really cool. So how much does your dad play a role in, um, Elon, you kind of alluded to it, play in your baseball career as far as, you know, support, development, coaching, et cetera. We'll start with Trey. <laughs> well, my dad's been a huge part of baseball. He's helped coach on my teams ever since T-ball. And I swear the man knows my swing better than anybody else's. He knows it. He knows my swing better than even I do. And just the constant talking to him and making adjustments, especially with the mental game. Mental game is huge with him. We enjoy talking about stuff like that. So if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I'd be with baseball. I like that. So talk about the mental game a little bit before Elon gives his answer. Um, Talk about why the mental game is important, especially when it comes to baseball, but just in general in life? Well, the mental game in baseball is important because you're playing a game of failure. The greatest players to ever play, they're only successful 30% of the time at the plate, which means they fail 70% of the time. So it's how you deal with that failure that pushes you to become better and pushes you to work harder, but also if you don't deal with that failure in a good way, it can have the adverse effect of just shutting down, quitting mentally, and thus you fail, just completely fail. So yeah, the mental game is huge. You have to win there. Right, yeah. The only way you truly fail is if you quit, but in order not to quit, you have to be strong mentally so that you can perverse, persevere and overcome obstacles in your life. Absolutely. I like that. All right, Elon. So talk about your dad. How does he support you in baseball? Um, and what, what are, does, does he, you know, help cut or does he help coach you or what, what is his role in that regard? He helps me coach most of the time. Like he helps like help me like fix my swing because throughout the two years I've been playing with coastal, it's always been like a different type of swing every year. So this year, I hope it's going to be a bit better because he told me like before when I went to New York, we went Mm to a batting cage and we changed most of my swing. And this year, I'm hoping it's going to be a lot different and I want it to be a lot better than the summer and the fall. So he's he's just there for me a lot. I like that. So what what sort of adjustments is he helping you make? So. How are you changing your swing? So, especially getting ready for the tournament we have this coming up weekend. He's helping me keep my head down. He's like throwing the ball at like a specific speed every single time. And when I'm going too early, he like stops the ball and then asks, "What am I doing? The ball's not coming yet." And he told me to wait. And now it should be better now because what he's done. Awesome. All right. What about you, Trey? So you're, you're a guy who's always making adjustments with his swing and trying to get better and trying to polish uh, his swing and approach at the plate. So talk about the things that you're doing to prepare, get ready for, you know, the upcoming tournament as well. From that perspective, a lot of what I've been doing lately is I was injured. I had a knee problem for a couple months got time to take a break took about two weeks off so knocking the rust off from that and focusing more from a swing perspective on keeping my front side closed so staying through the staying through the ball better and 
taken about three, 400 swings a day for the last four days and just really focusing on that and trying to hammer that down. I like that. That's good. That's good. So I want to stick with role models really quickly here. So let's talk about role models in baseball. I know, Trey, you mentioned a couple of minor league players that you look up to that are obviously in professional baseball, but also are a good representation of godly men. Um, Elon, um, do you have any you know, baseball superheroes that you look up to that you're like, man, like I really like how you know he plays the game or how he carries himself, et cetera? I like the way Aaron Judge, he carries the game. After just coming off of a like a serious injury, he still got back out there and he's hitting tanks right now after going through a nine uh, after going through a nine game losing streak, he came back and now they're off that streak now. Awesome, awesome. What about you, Trey? What are you can kind of go in depth about your relationship with the AAA players, but if there's also any other players that you really admire and look up to, you can express your admiration for them as well. So those two AAA players that I know, they're great guys. We had the opportunity to host them when they played for the Montgomery Biscuits and just got really close to them and got to see their walk in baseball and how crazy it's been and how they've persevered to make it as far as they have. For example, Adam Kalerik, he was in AAA for, I believe it was two, three years and got called up to Los Angeles Dodgers in 2020 with the shortened COVID season. Had one of the best ERAs in baseball and helped them to win a World Series that year. So it's just from the perspective of mental toughness, they've both had to be very mentally tough to get to where they're at. And from the perspective of being godly, like they've stayed with their faith. And I've got to see that also and see how they've progressed. And it's been very cool to watch. But from a pro perspective, I always love watching Freddie Freeman play the game. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always out there having fun. And it's just fun to watch him play. Oh, yeah. He he looks like he's just having a blast. And his oh. talent just comes like effortlessly. He just seems like he's just, you know, just out there in the backyard playing with ball. So we do have a question from the chat. Kenya asked, how did you connect with AAA? So I think she was talking about the AAA players. You kind of briefly hinted on it when you said that you hosted them, like you and your family. So talk about what that is and the process of like, how did y'all get into the process of hosting you know, different players? So it was kind of all a blur. We met Nathan Lucas. We met him the season before he stayed with us playing for the Montgomery Biscuits. We got to talking to him, and my dad extended the offer to him because they they don't make any money. Like in Double A, you're making pennies on the dollar. Like it, they're not making it's. Yeah, it's but, bad. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, it's it's bad. But anyway, the next season he comes and he stays with us. So stayed with us for an entire season, absolutely just tore it up in double A. And next season he was called up to triple A with the Durham Bulls and stayed there for a season. And then he then traded around. And currently he's with the Buffalo Bisons under the Toronto Blue Jays organization. Awesome. Awesome. So Almost there. Just got to put together a couple more. Seasons, maybe somebody 
you know, gets traded or potential injury. Obviously, we don't want anybody to get hurt, but it is part of the game. And, you know, it's right there in the show. So, all right. So let's move into our next segment, which is how to hit a baseball. Now, I have a video that we're going to react to. Before I do that, my mom had an interesting question. Shout out to Mama Prof in the building. She says, since baseball is a game of failure, how do you handle a multi-game batting slump? Now, that's a very interesting one. Elon, why don't you start? So, if you're going through a multiple-game batting slump, you just got to keep your head up because if you keep your head down and if you if you keep doing that, it's just going to bring your whole entire team down. And if one person's down, the whole entire team's going to go down, and that's going to react to the score. Like maybe losing 16 to 2, 18 to 1. And at that point, you need to keep your head up because if you don't, it's not going to go good from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when you're in a batting slump, it's you got to remember that it's called a batting average, right? And so if you know that you're a good player, then you just got to stick with the process, maybe make a couple adjustments here and there, but it's not the time to go into oh my God, this is such a dire situation. It's not the time to panic. It's just the time to go deeper into your process and really just you know, stick with what you've been good at. And then everything will start to average out. And so that 0 for 20, 0 for 30 that you just had, well, that just means, okay, now I got some hits that are about to come just if you're just going along with the law of averages. So what about you, Trey? How would you handle a multi-game slump? Well, for me, it's big on what Elon was kind of touching on there. Me and him are both catchers, so quarterbacks of the team. And we have both accepted that role, so we have to remain mentally strong and just keep our heads down. It's really just a wipe that from your memory. You just have to think that every time you step in the box, you're better in that pitcher, and the training you put in has proved that, and you just have to go out and perform. No matter how bad of a slump it is, you're only one hit away from getting out of it. And you just have to keep remembering that. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, that's a great thing about baseball is, I mean, you could have been over 30 the last 30 at-bats, but this moment right here where you step in the box is another opportunity to do something great. So you can't live in the past, and you can't really even live in the future, right? Because if you're living in the future, it's like, you could be thinking, oh, uh, I, I kind of like, I'm just going to get a hit. And then you you take the moment for granted and then you get beat by somebody that you're better than. But vice versa is true as well, where you are kind of scared in a sense and, you know, dwelling on the stuff that's in the past to where you're in a limit, like your mindset is limited. And so you're not even giving yourself the great a great chance to succeed because you're already defeated before you step into the box. So very good answers there. Um, let's see. Uh, we got a super chat from Kenya Mac. So let's put that up on the screen here. Thank you. $1.99 cents from Kenya. Appreciate it. How do y'all get in the zone? So she's referring to, you know, you, we've all had those games where, you just get in the box and you don't even realize 
what you're doing. You're just kind of doing it, but you have a great game. Maybe you went three for four or four for four, and you're killing the baseball, making great defensive plays. And then after the game, you're like, man, that didn't even feel like myself. It was almost like an outer body experience. So um, a lot of people refer to that as being in the zone or a state of flow. So Ken is asking, how do y'all get in the zone? Or have y'all been in the zone? That's that's a good question as well. So for me, getting in the zone, that's a place where I'm warmed up, ready to go physically, and I'm mentally prepared for what's about to happen. So for me, hitting is a big thing. I focus on hitting a lot, and I want to be mentally prepared and physically prepared for that. So that's before the game, getting there hour, 30 minutes before any of my other teammates, getting out there, running, stretching, focusing on my knee and my hip flexors, and really making sure everything's loosened up, getting in the cages, taking three to four rounds, making sure everything's just zeroed in. And really a lot of it too is also like pregame music. I want to have the same routine before every game to get me in the zone. And from my experience, it's worked. And even on games I have, even when I have bad games, next game, same routine, come out and you can go four for four after going 0 for 8 or whatever happened the day before. You just have to keep the same routine. Same routine gets you in that zone. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I like what you said, and that kind of alludes to what you said earlier as well, is it's all about like your preparation, right? And when you've prepared properly, now you can just trust your training, which is, I think, something along the lines of what you said earlier where, all right, I put in this work and now it's just time for me to relax, get myself in this state to where I can just go out and just do what I'm capable of doing rather than trying to think about it so much, which is very important when it comes to sports because if you're thinking, then you're going to get beat, right? You have a split second to hit the baseball, which we're about to see in the uh, video we're going to react to. But if you don't get yourself in that zone, if you haven't prepared, then you're going to have a hard time, especially in a game of failure where I mean, failure is inevitable. All right. What about you, Elon? What are some things that you do to try to get in the zone? So some things I do to get in the zone is before every game, I end up showing uh, like five minutes after Trey, cause Trey's always there like 30 minutes before. And I, I'm gonna like, beat once you, I see him, I'm, Oh my gosh. So, once he's there, after I see him stretch, I start stretching. But it's all about the music and how the, how you keep the same routine going. And before every game, I pray by myself and, and thank God for the day and what he's done for me. And after I get my couple swings in, I start moving my, my hips up. And then after that, I start throwing with a really good partner of mine. And that's when I start getting my technique on throwing and getting zoned in. And even before I'm about to step in the box, I breathe like really calmly. Like there's some people who like breathe heavily and try to get out all like what they have going on. For me, I like to breathe calmly and try to do everything I I can to calm down. Because facing a kid who's throwing 89, 90, 92, it's kind of scary going up there. But if you just calm and take your time and getting in there, it helps you calm down a lot and you can get a better visual on the ball and that's what i like about music and praying for god 
and for myself and others. And once I step in the box, I'm ready to go. So y'all both hit on a really key component, which is routine, right? Um, you have to establish a certain routine that allows you to you know, just get in the state to where you're able to just operate and flow with the game, which I think is I think is very important, especially because some people can get way too amped up. Some people can not be focused enough. And so if you have a routine, right, then part of, you know, if you do the same thing day in and day out, it's like, all right, I just I'm just doing it right. We have, we've all probably y'all, y'all both drive now, right? Do y'all both, yes, y'all both drive? So, well, maybe y'all haven't had this experience yet because y'all haven't driven long enough. But there will be a day or two where you, you're going to drive to your house every single day, right? And there will be like a night where maybe you're tired or something or maybe you're just not as, I guess, aware of everything. But then you just kind of end up at home. Like you know that you got in the car and you were driving home, but you don't know how you made it home. Right. And it's because you're in such a routine of going home. Maybe you've taken that route from school to home or from the baseball field to home so many times that you don't have to be hyper focused on that specific task to where you just kind of just do it. Right. Your body just knows. And that's the beauty of a routine. Right. It's like I put in the preparation. Now I just have to get in this routine that allows me to just just operate and flow to where sometimes I'm not even aware of what I'm doing because I'm so in this moment doing it. So that is a, I think that was a really good points that you hit on there. I see my mom's question in the chat, but we're going to answer that right after we react to this video. The distance from the rubber to home plate is 60 feet, six inches. Subtracting five or six feet to account for the pitcher's stride, it takes a fastball traveling at 90 to 95 miles an hour, about 400 milliseconds to get from the pitcher's hand to the catcher's mitt. The batter is already at a disadvantage because it takes the human brain around 80 to 100 milliseconds just to process the image that the eyes are taking in. On top of that, it's going to take 150 milliseconds on average to get his bat around to meet the ball, and 25 milliseconds for his brain to send the signal to his body to swing. That leaves him with just 125 milliseconds to gauge the pitch and decide whether or not to go for it. To put this in perspective, it takes 300 to 400 milliseconds just to blink. If the pitch looks good, the batter has a 7 millisecond window to meet the ball in a position where he will put it in play. How crazy is that, guys? So when we have a... When we hit a baseball, essentially, we have seven, like a millisecond, basically. So when it, when they say like it takes, you have to make a decision in a split second when it comes to hitting, they really mean it because there's all these different variables. It's not just see, it's literally see ball, hit ball. That's the only way you're going to be able to hit it because if you're thinking, right, you, you literally don't have time to think. You have seven milliseconds to basically make up your mind and swing the bat. So what do y'all guys think about that video and that breakdown? I think the breakdown in a lot of ways is also missing some key components. Like there are different pitches in baseball. It's not just a 90, 95 mile an hour fastball. You're going to have curveballs, splitters, cutters, all these different pitches that on top of figuring out whether you want to swing or not, you have to figure out how the ball is going to move so you can meet it with your bat. Right, which and it makes it much more difficult. 
Right. That probably breaks it down to, yeah, make it even less of a split second of reaction time or to decide to swing because now you're worrying about, okay, it's not just a fastball that's coming. It's like, oh, wait, is this a fastball? Is it a curveball? Is the fastball moving? Because fastballs aren't always just, you know, straight. We like them straight. If a guy's just throwing that four seams backspin ball right down the middle, that's great. But as you get older and go up in levels of baseball, like people are going to be trying to move the fastball around. They're going to be cutting it. They're going to be making a run. And then on top of that, they're going to be throwing off-speed pitches that do the same thing. And so hitting's no easy task. No easy task. Do you have any thoughts about that, Elon? Uh, I think it's just kind of crazy because sometimes if you're just blinking, you don't even know it's coming right by you. So you just got to hope for the best, put your bats to the ball, and just think. don't even think about it. I just When I blink and it's right there, I just throw my bat and probably make some firewood right there. But. <laughs> That's funny. Get sawed off. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So my mom had an interesting question. She asked, so are y'all eating well and getting seven to eight hours of sleep? Yes. So my biggest problem is the sleep. Yeah, Usually I know. <laughs> I feel like every time constant. you come to the cages, you're like, yeah, I only got four hours of sleep last night. I'm like, Trey, <laughs> what's up? But go, go ahead. Not for a lot but on a daily basis, my goal is to get seven to eight hours of sleep. I try to do that. I'll go to bed around nine o'clock. And my alarm in the morning set it for six o'clock. So between six o'clock and then nine o'clock again that night, that's all I have for training and schoolwork and eating well. And eating well for me is just high protein, high calorie, trying to gain weight. I got you. So what are y'all doing? Or Well, before Elon answers, what are y'all doing to, you know, get bigger and as far as like eating and your diet? So like, well, I know Trey kind of answered it with high protein and everything, but, but gaining weight, also requires you got to you know work out and lift so what are some of the things that y'all are doing in that regard so i've incorporated along with going to the gym for hour hour and a half a day i've also incorporated a lot of body weight stuff and sprint work so a lot of sprint work going in every day trying to get my 60 time down and be a better base runner by doing that and a lot of body weight workouts, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, squats, lunges, just everything you can think of. Awesome, awesome. So, Elon, are you getting seven to eight hours of sleep and eating well? Yes, I am, Coach. Yes, I am. All right, take us through that. Take us through that. So, right now for wrestling season, I have to cut down in a couple, I'd say a month or so. I got to cut down to 175, but during baseball season and prior to wrestling season, I've been eating a lot, going, hitting the workout room at school for school time, and after, I'd say, a couple months of just eating for summer ball, I've seen an increase on my speed and how my like work ethics are. And just more of like my mobility and how my muscles work. 
Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's a big part of like feeling good is eating good. And uh, the big factor that a lot of people miss, including me sometimes, is the sleep, right? Sleep is actually will help you live longer than a healthy diet. Um, it's uh, I think that's scientifically backed up, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So we talked about how to hit a baseball, a little bit about their approach. Now let's talk about the upcoming tournament. So the upcoming tournament coming up this Saturday and Sunday is when we will play. So these guys, like I said, are going to be on my team. So let's talk about what you guys are looking forward to in playing in the tournament and what are your what are some of your goals for this upcoming tournament? So I'm more excited for a couple of the games, but I'm just excited to meet the new teammates and how we can work as a team. Because, you know, like once you, if you're drawing on like a travel ball team, you don't know what team you're going to be on. So it's just a matter of like time before you can like get to know your teammates and how everybody's going to react. But my one goal for this tournament is to beat the upper class white if we make it to the bracket play. Yeah, that's that's definitely on yeah. my to-do list. Uh, they're on the other side of the bracket, but the top two teams in each pool will play in, I guess, the semifinal and final on Sunday. And so if we do well in our pool, we could be matched up with that upper class white team on the other side which we we scrimmaged this past weekend it was kind of a very informal scrimmage just really getting some guys to do some work but i think it'll be a really really good game especially because that'll be either the fourth or the fifth game of the weekend so we'll get, really get to test like how our stamina is how you know deep the pitching staffs are which i think our team like looking at our pitching, we we probably have a little bit. Yeah, we have a little more pitching than they do, and so yeah, I think it'll be a battle because they but they got some guys that can hit. I mean, we we have some guys that can hit, obviously, but uh, they their team was really solid this past summer, so they have a lot of chemistry as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the upcoming tournament. Uh, this is probably the most excited I've been going into a season as far as you know, the talent level that I have on my team and the group of guys that I have as well. I'm super excited just to, you know, one, get to know you guys, but two, just, just to watch you guys play because I think our team as a collective is going to get after it. I like the mentality that uh, that everybody has. Man, we Trey, you didn't, say, you didn't talk about David Goggins, so I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I was getting there. I was oh, getting, getting there. there. Okay, got you. I had Goggins on the list. I got Jocko, Goggins, and Jason Redmond. Okay, got you. Got you. Who's going to carry the boats? And the logs, baby. I need Perkins on here. Grady Perkins would know what he's doing. Yeah, Grady's, Grady's about it. Grady's about it. All right, so that was upcoming tournament. When we come back, we'll talk about – well, we won't talk about. We'll actually flip the script. We'll do our Ask Coach Profit segment before we get out of here. So if you have any questions or any more comments, it's time to put them in because we will be reacting to them and answering your questions right after this break. 
about that knee knee drop. Uh, we're gonna work through this this track meet in Birmingham. Get ready for the nationals and hope to put on a put in a good performance. Um, just making sure she pushes out of both legs, out of the blocks, and not just relying on one leg. Let's go do it. All right, welcome back, quality people. We got two of my favorite players, Elon, Trey. We're about to get into our next segment where they're going to flip the script and ask me the questions. It's Ask Coach Profit. Before we get into that, I need you to... Like for the algorithm. Need you to like for the algorithm. So, we got some comments from Landon Harrington. Let's see. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is Elon even good? <laughs> I'll reserve my answer. So I'll, I'll pass that to Trey and then I'll, I'll answer I'll answer after that. <laughs> I'll put it to you this way. The man had more triples last year, last fall, than he did singles. So he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he hit a lot of triples last fall. And I think you hit yeah, that was, maybe like that two was this summer. But the two you hit were really big. Like that one triple... At that, uh, what was that field? I forgot that field. It was that high school where the first game we only had eight players because, you know, well, we're not even going to oh, get into was, that. But yeah, that was, that was, we're that not going to get there. But. but the second game, you had a big triple there. No, that was inside Park Home Run, wasn't it? That was the third game. Yeah, that was inside the Parker. Yeah. That was the third game? Yeah. Because oh, that was okay. the team that we got cheated off of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That team. Yeah. That, that was crazy. That was, that was crazy. Baseball. So let's see. Landon Harrington says, Me and Elon were throwing the ball and he threw it 20 feet away from me. <laughs> oh, no. Man, is, is Landon supposed to be your I friend? Never, <laughs> I never played baseball with him before. That's He's one of my friends. He's outside somewhere running around. Uh, I got you. He's tuned in. Well, thank you, you for tuning in, Landon. All right. And then my mom's told Landon, he said, yeah, Landon, I heard Elon is a beast. <laughs> so, so she probably heard that from me. So my mom's got your back. So um, I believe this question is directed to me. Um, so before you get into your questions, Kenya asked me, what does legacy look like to you? And uh, it's kind of funny that she asked this question because I've been thinking about this over the past you know week or two and it's kind of changed because there's a uh i forgot what the quote was i think it's by soccer it was one by the stoke uh one of one of 
it's a quote from one of the Stoics where it's like you can't basically revel in your post, not partum, post, posthumous death, basically. So you really want to do your best to squeeze everything that you, that this life has to offer while you're here, because when you're gone, you can't really celebrate it, right? I mean, you can leave stuff for people, but there's nothing that you can do because you're, you're gone. You've gone on to better places, hopefully, as long as, you know, you've done what you need to do in this life. And so legacy is more about, for me right now, it's more about attacking this specific moment and making sure I'm as sharp as I need to be right now, moment to moment to moment. Because if we get too foresighted, right, then that can actually cripple us in this current moment. And of course, like looking back is always a bad idea because if you just get stuck in the past, then you're going to be doomed to repeat it and you're doomed to, well, you're just, you're, you're, you're crippling yourself as well because you're, you know, not being as sharp as you can be in this moment as well. And so legacy for me is more about, okay, I have this goal, but what am I doing in this moment to reach that goal, right? But I, I have to be focused here and now. So right now I'm doing a podcast with you two. So I'm focused on you know being in this moment right now and speaking the best that I can, articulating myself the best of my ability, and putting on the best production that I can in this moment. Now that can serve my ultimate goal of building this really big media empire, which is more of a legacy thing, but... Legacy has to be, you know, I'm in this moment. It can't be I'm not at this point in time or I have to get to this spot because you don't necessarily know how that goal materializes. You can have a goal in mind, right? But how you get there might be completely different from the plan that's in your head. And you got to be willing to, you know, bob and weave with the punches. And if you're not in the moment, it's very hard to be flexible, right? Because if you're just hyper-focused on, all right, I'm got to get from point A to point B and it has to look like this, right? When reality hits, then that's when you're more prone to quit because it's like, man, this isn't what I seemed. I'm bowing out. Does that make sense, guys? So, yeah, the yes, so legacy is more about, okay, set this goal, right? And I'm working towards this goal, but I have to be very present in this moment, right? And that also goes back to, you know, getting in the state of flow, developing a routine and and having preparation that allows you to execute in this moment to the best of your ability so that you can eventually reach that goal. So, yeah, that's a great question from Kenya Mack. Um, I think Landon asks, where are y'all from? So I think uh, I think she was at, I think he was asking the chat, but I'll I'll go ahead and say I'm I'm from Winter Robin, so I'm from I'm probably not too far away from you, Landon, if you're with Elon. And then I think Trey is in <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I'm the furthest. I live in Opelika, Alabama, just right outside all. Do you roll tide? No, no, War Eagle. Oh, okay. I, I, I see. I always go back and forth because I'm not a big college football fan. So it's kind of like, oh, whoever has the better you, team is. You got to pick one. You <laughs> yeah. got to pick one. If I had to pick one, though, I would I would definitely pick Alabama because I really like Nick Saban. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we, are we even friends anymore? 
I mean, you're my player, so we don't got to be friends. <laughs> All right, coach. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for y'all to ask Coach Profit, as it says here. So, fire away, boys. And it could be so, anything. It doesn't who, have to be specific as well. So just want to throw that out there. So who were some of your role, role models when you were our age growing up? Like, who are those people for you? All right. One of my biggest role models was this gospel artist named Ty Tribbett. And the reason I like him so much was because he was very high energy. And he was, like, if you just, if you like, he's very high energy now. He's a little bit older. But when I first was introduced to him, he had, like, these long dreads, kind of looked like a wild man at the beard and everything. But he would just go crazy, just jumping around for God and spreading the message and his songs were very high energy and they were very good they were very they were composed very well which is what i liked about it so he wasn't just like rah 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 in your face like high energy it was yeah you give me energy but also this is a beautiful composition and how he was layering stuff and the instruments that he brought together and the manner that he did it was so beautiful to me that that's the reason why I started to, uh, you know, write music and want to put on like these productions because I saw Ty Tribbett do it. And I was like, man, like I want to be able to write music. So then I started writing music. But then I was like, he he throws these like cool, like just shows and productions and stuff. So how do I do that? Because I want to, the message that I have, I want the audience to feel a similar way that I feel when I watch or I listen to Ty Tribbett. And so I think what you see today, right, the how I put together productions, how I string things together, it's it's been an inspiration that was drawn from for, from my admiration of Ty Tribbett growing up because I saw him, how he was doing it, and he always did it a little bit different than people. But also, in my opinion, it was always a little more polished and a little better or it was it was better because it was unique and it was it was very authentic to who he was, right? And so there's other people that were in a similar lane that were authentic to who they were, but I liked him the best because he, you know, kind of matched my interest in who I am authentically as well. So Ty Tribbett was a big one. King Griffey Jr. from a baseball perspective was huge. I would watch his highlights Every before every single college game, I think I watched King Griffey highlights. I watched Miguel Cabrera highlights and I watched Andrew McCutcheon highlights. I had like I actually went on MLB.com and ripped some videos of, you know, them just hitting doubles, them hitting home runs. And I made like each one of them like a separate highlight video. And then I put like the music that I wanted to it so I could like actually watch it myself and it was like my own highlight reel that I created. And I would just watch that over and over just to, you know, get inspired. And that was part of my routine going back to, you know, preparation and getting into the zone. That was part of how I got into the zone and got ready to play pretty much every college game. Very cool. Yeah. So All was right. that like your biggest part of getting in the zone or did you have to do other things? Um. So- so for me, I, I had to like calm myself down. So I wasn't one that gets super hype. I'm one that's just like, all right, I need to get even, even killed, get to even. Because I'm always naturally 
a little more high energy. And so I would listen to music. I always listen to music. Um, I think I forget if I did it before or after. I would watch the highlights either before, probably before I listened to music. When I listened to music, it wasn't like the traditional like get pumped up workout songs. It was more things that helped me to think right while I was while I was listening so that I could kind of calm myself down, mellow myself out. And when I think, for me, it's a more of like a medit like when I start to think, I get into like this meditative zone where it's kind of like, yeah, I'm just I'm living life and I'm kind of thinking and I'm just kind of riding this wave. For some people, when they start to think, they just kind of get like overwhelmed and their brain starts going everywhere. But for me, I just start to flow with life, right? And so that's what I tried to do before I played any game or any sport was just try to get in the zone, try to think about the task at hand. And that kind of helped me visualize, okay, if this certain scenario comes up, I can see myself doing this. I can see myself doing that um, and different things like that. So that's kind of how I was able to, that was probably the biggest component was the music and the thinking, I guess the visualization, as you would say, the thinking about, okay, this is what I'm trying to accomplish today. Let me see myself doing it so that when this situ when I'm faced with this situation in real life, I've already essentially done it. Now it's just, okay, go go out there and execute. Very cool. All right. Any other questions? I got nothing. I ain't got none. Yeah, got none. Actually, okay. hold on, hold on. I got, I do got some. Okay, hit me with it. Oh lord. Uh, do you think Coach Khabib and <laughs> oh, no, uh, Grady Khabib. have a relationship? Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Khabib uh, doesn't watch. The- did you watch? The- he probably is. Did you watch the the live last night? With me and Coach Khabib? I did. And y'all were talking about Grady. Yeah, so <laughs> so <laughs> no, I think I think for Coach Ked, it's a love hate relationship. And for Grady, it's just another another person that <laughs> Grady just gets to interact with. <laughs> <laughs> Grady, Grady's Grady's great, man. He he'll go and talk to anybody. Like him and Grant are some of the most social people I have ever met in my life. Like they'll like I've seen Grant will just go up to a mushroom and start talking to it. And that's that's (laughs) not like a a, I'm not alluding to drugs or anything. He he actually literally grows mushrooms and has an affinity for mushrooms and like growing things. And so that's that's what I I was hinting at there. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's actually very brilliant. Both of them are very smart, but yeah, they're they're some they're very social. And very outgoing, very outgoing. So I think sometimes Ked can get overwhelmed with the energy that Grady brings, especially that uh, when he was not expecting it, when he came to help coach <laughs> that one day, he was like, man, like Grady is just a lot. I was like, yeah. And I think that was the day Grady went like full Batman for the, the first Batman. time oh, yeah. like, he, with the eye Batman black. He had, he had eye black up here, all down here, like around his eyes. He looked like he was in the band Kiss, if y'all know what that is. <laughs> That's what I he looked what like. Is. Just minus like maybe the really pale, like white makeup. But yeah, 
a relationship. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, I got yeah. another question. All right, go ahead. So, what was your approach in hitting? Like, how did you step in the box, and how did you hit the ball? Literally, I would tell this to people who would ask me this, like teammates who would ask me this in college. When I step into the box, I was thinking, I'm about to ambush this fastball. Or just this ball in general. Like, I didn't really care. Um, I got my, I probably got myself out a little more than I should have because I, was, I, was, I swung very early in the count. But I felt like I could, you know, pretty much hit anything, right? And I trusted my hands. And so that was my approach was just go, get in there and ambush. Right. And the times where I struggled was because I didn't have that mindset and I was getting in the box and I was thinking too much, maybe about mechanics or maybe about trying to guess what the pitcher was throwing, which was stupid. Right. Because, you don't have one, you don't have time to think. But two, I wasn't trusting all the training that I had put in, which I, I would always, you know, just hit um, extra and make sure that, you know, my swing was good and my swing was good for me and it was always working but if I wasn't carrying that mental game and mental approach to the box right where I was able to just clear my mind and hit then I wasn't going I wasn't setting myself up for success and so I just kept it simple and I was like I'm gonna get in here I'm gonna ambush the fastball right and but that's also the reason why I generally hit guys throwing a lot harder better Right, like guys throwing like upper eighties, low nineties, even mid nineties. Sometimes I hit them a lot better than a lot of the guys that were throwing like eighty, you know, low eighties with a you know this little flicking, uh, this little flick curveball, you know, the little <laughs> spinner that Grady takes forever to come down. And it's just it's simply because um, I wasn't thinking. I you don't have time to think when at the more velocity they're pumping and the harder their breaking stuff is, right? You just have to get in there and hit. And so I actually always loved one facing harder pitchers normally because the guys who threw harder were better. And so I always felt like, ah, I'm getting this guy out of here. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like a, he thinks he's good, but I'm about to show him. So when I had that vibrato and that confidence, when I stepped in the box, Right, even if that guy was, I guess, better or statistically better or whatever you want to call it, like I didn't care, right? Like you're not gonna intimidate me, right? Because at the end of the day, the pitcher's got to throw the ball and I got to hit the ball, right? And one or two things are gonna happen: the pitcher's gonna win or I'm gonna win, right? So I just want to put myself in the mind state to be like, I'm gonna win this battle, even though statistically, right? Like Trey said it before, right? Baseball is a game of failure. Even if you fail 70% of the time, which means your, your success rate is about 30%, that's good in baseball. And so how do you overcome that, right? Because you can really dwell on the 70%, and that will really mess with your psyche, right? But that's also what makes baseball beautiful because we're always waiting in anticipation in a sense, right? We don't necessarily know what's going to happen because the failure rate is so high that when we do get a hit – or we do have success in baseball, it's like, man, that, that felt good because that was part of the, the 30% or the, the lower success rate that you actually have. So that was a great question, though. Last question, I'll leave you alone. 
Okay. Well, before you before you ask that, your mom's actually in the chat. So shout out to Miss Luann. She says, <laughs> "Wow, I've never seen a kid so embarrassed." She said, uh, "What did you eat for breakfast?" So, like this morning or general this morning? Oh, I actually had a. I stopped at Chick Fil A this morning because I had to go down to. I had to drive about an hour away to Dublin to complete my TSA application process. I had to like do my fingerprints and get my picture taken uh, because. Trent and I were traveling a lot, and lines, especially in Atlanta, get ridiculous. And so we signed up for TSA pre-check so that we can, one, it's a shorter line, but two, you don't have to, like, take off your shoes um, and take out your laptop out of the bag and all that different thing, all those different things. And so we signed up for that so that on our trips, we can just, you know, get to the airport, get through security and get to our gate in a timely manner. Cause oftentimes we're sometimes in a rush to, you know, get to the airport because it's like, Oh, we had to get the, we had to get that last bit of, you know, interview from the vet, or maybe we got caught with the first guy. And so the second interview got behind. And so we're playing catch up a little bit. So yeah. Uh, but generally my breakfast looks like, uh, it's like one meat. So I either eat, I always generally eat three eggs. So three eggs plus either three or four strips of bacon or three eggs plus like half a kielbasa, you know, one of those little sausage things. Or uh, Kenya actually made the other day this like, it was like this ham taco type thing. She put eggs in this like ham that she just, it was just like lunch meat ham that you put on a sandwich and she just put it in a frying pan and then like made that. That was like kind of like the outer shell and then put eggs in it with like some, we have like grass fed cheese. And so she kind of just sprinkled that on, on the top and it was very good. So I'm going to probably start making that sometimes too. It was creative and good. So it was like, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I eat. All right, Trey. Take us home. Well, ironically, what is- my mom stole my question. <laughs> oh, did she really? That was my question. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you ask her? Did you did you tell her your questions? No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't guess know why she said that. I guess you are your mother's son. <laughs> Apparently, so <laughs> that's hilarious. Man, well, well, that it's it's been a lot of fun, guys. Getting to know you guys more. Uh, talk about role models, talk about hitting and the upcoming tournament. Appreciate your questions. And um, we're about to get on out of here. Before we do, though, I want to turn your attention to when we will be back. So there's the no show on Wednesday, no show on Thursday. On Friday, though, we'll try to have a po- quality podcast. Let me think about that. Yeah, we'll be able to have a quality podcast on Friday, so we'll get some topics together. So me and Kenya, we haven't done one in a good little while, but we'll be back in action. We are at 661. I think that's wrong. I think we're at like 664, 65. But thank you guys for being quality people and sharing this with your friends and family. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers, so that like there's a heap of features that opens up and we'll be able to do some really, really cool things as well as bring you a lot more 
content that we're trying to make outside of just like the podcast as well. And so please continue to share this with your family and friends. We appreciate every single one of you. Elon, Trey, thank you guys for coming on to the program today. Really thought it was a fruitful conversation. Y'all have any final words before we get on out of here? Yeah, we're ready for the weekend, ready to go out there and win. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, uh, you got the thunder. I heard your thunder, and then I heard mine. That's crazy. All right, Elon, do you have any final words before we get out of here? Uh, I just want to win this weekend. That's it. I like yeah. it. Mindset of a winner. I think we're set up for success. We will keep you posted uh, next week. I will be traveling, but we will still have, or the plan is to still have Hunter Holder and Jackson Sayer on the program. And maybe we'll be able to do some recap of the weekend with Coach Cat or Coach Justin as well. So exciting, exciting shows coming up here in the next couple of weeks, couple of days as well. So make sure you continue to share this with your family and friends. Make sure that Fight you... For the algorithm on your way out as well guys one more time thank you and we will see you in the next live